Welcome to the Black Queens on Stage podcast, presented by Black Literature and Art Queens Network, where we bring our queens to the stage. Welcome to the podcast where we honor and acknowledge Black women performers and discuss topics of equity, diversity, and inclusion. My name is Ashley M. Lyle, and I am joined here today with the immensely talented nerdcore rapper, Crimson Alchemist. How are you today? I'm doing great. How about yourself? I'm great. I'm great. You know, I'm, I'm glad that we got this opportunity to finally, like, sit down and and get the chance to actually talk For those that don't know, I was working with um, Seth Ressler of The Debrief up until the coronavirus hit, and then we had to put this podcast on pause. I wasn't satisfied with the original recording, so I am just so blessed today that I got the chance to talk with you again, Crimson, and redo this episode. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I enjoyed (laughs) myself the first time, so (laughs) it was a lot of fun. So, uh-huh. like, doing this, this is my first time actually doing, like, an interview-type deal through a podcast, like, you know, just virtually. So, this is mm-hmm. pretty cool. Well, okay. Well, that's good. Yeah. I mean, you know, honestly, there's no other way to do it right now because <laughs> I am completely stuck in the house. Thankfully, I have the kind of job that I have where I'm able to do some data entry work from home. So, that's the good part. Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. So let's get into this interview. Why don't you tell me exactly what Nerdcore is? All right. So Nerdcore, uh, it specifies in pop culture references, anime, cartoons, a little bit, a little bit of everything. Because like what people don't realize as far as like Nerdcore, it can venture off into so many different realms. Like you can talk about video games. You can actually talk about sports as well, too, because... You know, there's a lot of artists out here that, you know, do wrestling, wrestling, um, uh, you know, metaphors and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, overall, pop pop culture references, anime, cartoons, stuff within that realm. And, and um, what, why don't you explain real quick how you how you got your name? Because that's also a pop culture reference as well. Right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, so years ago when I. um first you know started taking music seriously I had went by the name of Crimson Kid at the time I was about 18 17 18 years old so I already knew that I wasn't gonna always go as Crimson Kid so I decided to drop the kid part and add in Alchemist and uh the name comes from one of my favorite characters from uh anime called Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood Brotherhood it was uh, one of the antagonists. His name was Crimson Alchemist. And I thought it was a really dope name because the way that, you know, I piece my bars together, it kind of reminds me, like, metaphorically, like alchemy. So that's mm-hmm. how I came up with the name. That's interesting. That's really interesting. I um, When I first heard about you, uh, for those that don't know, I am an avid cosplayer as well. And... The first time I heard about you was at Yumacon, which is normally in downtown Detroit at the Renaissance Center. And when I saw you on stage with a table full of men, I was completely excited. I'm like, she is the only chick up there and she is holding her own. Her music is just like like surpa- surpassing 
all these other brothers up here. And I was just, I was just so excited to get to, to really get to know you and to find out your creative process in regards to your, your rap career and how you get to writing your songs. Thank you. I appreciate (laughs) that. Um, yeah, uh, it's definitely been a process. And like when I first started, um, making music, I wasn't always considered a nerdcore artist. Honestly, I didn't hear about nerdcore, um, the subgenre until my manager, Mark Cooper, shout out to him. He brought it to me and just introduced me to different artists like Mega Ran, Samus, and even, even technically Jean Grey would be like considered a nerdcore artist just with her references. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, and <clears throat> I've always known about Yomakon, but never went. And it's funny because, like, when we had first met, that was actually my first time attending Yomakon. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah. That's really cool. So why don't you tell me the process of how you write your music? Um. So what I'll do is I will uh, go through different production um, because I'm, I'm with a, a collective where uh, we call ourselves Soundproof. So um, there's me. I'm, I'm just, I'm a one trick pony. <laughs> I just rap. <laughs> Everyone else, they, <laughs> they produce, they DJ, and they also uh, are hip hop artists as well. Mm-hmm. So I'll go through their production, see which ones, you know, I like the most. I'll like jot down a couple, I'll brainstorm a couple of like scenarios for each song and I'll go by, uh, I'll go by that. Like perfect example. I have a, a, a track called new kid in town. So for that track, like the first verse, I kind of reminisce about, you know, when I got introduced to watching anime as a kid, you know, getting out of school and rushing home to watch Toonami. Then like throughout the song, you know, I'm just basically showing like my creativity as far as bringing up different references, anime references, you know, like for the animes that I watched as a kid. And, you know, I just bounce back around with different metaphors that, you know, people my age or even older or younger would appreciate and say like, hey, you know, she she mentioned Attack on Titan or she mentioned Dragon Ball Z or Sailor Moon. So that's really what my process is. I try my very best to make my songs cater to not only, you know, the people that, you know, appreciate anime, but also those that aren't necessarily into anime, but wouldn't, you know, are open to, you know, give it a try. So I try to cater to everyone as far as like making my songs. Yeah, that that's really interesting. And it, when I first started listening to your music, I... um. I was noticing, you know, I really started noticing like several of the references and, and for me being the big nerd that I am, I was like, Oh, I know that one. Oh, I know that show. Oh, I know that one. So (laughs) it was, it's really interesting. I love when I hear rappers uh, infuse pop culture references, especially ones that I know, because I tend to stay completely to myself and under a rock. So when it's something that I know, I, I'm, I'm really excited. <laughs> so why don't you tell me how a nerdcore rapper finds their audience? Well, it's a lot easier now because you have the power of social media. So mm-hmm. you can simply type in, you know, nerdcore artists as a hashtag or even search it on Google and try to find your fan base there because I didn't realize how many people like love nerdcore. 
the it's it's there's so many uh people like all over the world just checking my stats with my music i noticed like there's a lot of people like in the uk that love it over in canada just a little bit of everywhere so yeah it's it's pretty easy to like try to find your fan base as far as like being a nerdcore artist you just gotta like know where to look and then also you can actually ask your friends as well like hey you know you know some people that might be interested in listening to you know like for example if you got a like my hero academia heavy metaphor track you know ask them if they would you know they know anybody that would like that and it's it's really just pretty much networking networking and utilizing social media to your advantage. How difficult was it to find your audience before social media? Well, because the thing is, like, I, I can't, it's it's kind of difficult to even remember a time where I wasn't using, like, social media because, you know, with Facebook, you know, I, I joined Facebook back in, what, 2007? And shoot, how old was I in 2007? <laughs> I was about 13, 14 in 2007. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, looking back and realizing like, wow, there hasn't been not one moment when I started, you know, my hip hop, my hip hop career where I didn't have social media. But before then, like when I would be in high school and, you know, just rap in different ciphers, that's kind of how people got word of mouth of like me even rapping, just going around the school, just rapping with different people and just talking basically the old school way, you know, even though back then I wasn't, you know, selling CDs or anything like that until after high school, just, you know, just talking, conversing with people. And, you know, um, my dad, he, um, back when he, he was younger, he was also a hip hop artist and a DJ. So he would teach me different ways to like, you know, interact with people and like get into different ciphers and stuff like that so yeah it's it's so different telling my dad like what my process as far as like what he had to do back in the 90s when he was like heavy on making music so yeah there hasn't been a time where I didn't have social media to help promote my music so what explain to me what a cipher is um a cipher really like from my understanding, just a, a gang of people, like just taking turns, rapping, you know, showing their lyrical abilities and just, you know, going back and forth with people. Nowadays, ciphers like are kind of looked at differently because in some aspects, you have some people that, you know, get video recordings of people in ciphers and it'll still be like, you know, about five or six people just, you know, rapping or freestyling, whatever you want as opposed to, you know, just having a big crowd around. You don't really see that too much, especially now with the whole pandemic going on. But yeah, just, you know, a group of people showing their lyrical abilities. It doesn't even have to have a specific scenario or anything like that. But um, yeah, whether it's written or freestyle. Okay. And you were dropping a, a couple of different names of anime series, uh, so where do you find your references for nerd culture? Um, definitely, like, from a lot of my favorite shows, like, I pick out specific things that certain, any anime fan would be like, hey, I know what that is. And one of my uh, tracks, Agni Kai, anybody that, that sees the title, they'd be like, oh, okay, I see she's an Avatar Last Airbender fan. 
And in that song, like I mentioned, you know, Zanpak Toes. So anime fan would be like, okay, so she watches Bleach. Okay, cool. Just, you know, pick out certain things that, you know, people that are fans of those animes would appreciate. And and I did notice that it, that title of Agni Kai, uh, when I when I saw the title of it, I was like, oh, that's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you were mentioning your dad being a, a rapper and a DJ. Um, did he inspire you to become a rapper? Absolutely. Um, yeah, like, uh, because I've been writing since I was about eight years old. So actually, it's crazy. I've been writing for 20 years. <laughs> for 20 years. It's crazy. Girl, don't even act like that. You make it sound like you're so old. Please. <laughs> Please. Don't, don't. Just don't. Just don't. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, like what my dad uh, used to do, um, he would have my cousins because my cousins, they also rapped when they were younger. And like kids on the, uh, on my block, they would come over to my house and he would have like them rapping in a circle, just rap, you know, having ciphers and stuff like that. Of course, I didn't jump in because, like, what what eight year old is going to jump in a cipher and just start rapping? But, I mean, um, an old one would, you know. True, 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 true. true. <laughs> Which I probably but, think um, that you probably would have anyway. <laughs> true. <laughs> but um, yeah, and just looking at them rap, you know, it, it definitely inspired me um into doing it myself and I'm pretty sure back then you know me rapping and then like showing being nervous showing my dad you know stuff that I wrote I'm pretty sure he didn't think that I would get to the point where I'm like okay this is this is my career choice this is what I want to do for a living what was the reaction that you got from your family when you told them that that, that this is your career choice well at first like my stepmom, she's a she's a RN. So off rip, she really wanted me to go to school for nursing. Like I, I want to say she wanted all her kids to go to school for nursing. But I I don't know. I just I didn't really I wasn't really feeling it. And then I had um I gave it a chance. I gave school a chance for about a year or two. I um did a couple classes at WC three. And after a while, you know, I'm like, ah, this, this isn't really what, you know, I, this isn't my calling. I like, you know, I gave it a chance. I tried it and it's not really working out for me. And, um, I just, I've always loved music, you know, just being in those positions, especially in high school, you know, and rapping and people saying like, you're really good. Like you should do something with this. I I took that leap of faith and I was like, you know what, I'm, you know, sit school to the side and try this and see how it goes. And it's been going really good. And that's, that's how important was it when um, you told your family, like how important was it for their support? They support you now, right? Because how, oh, yeah. how important yeah. was it when, um, is there support when you finally told them that you were going to be a rapper? I was nervous at first because like my dad, he's always been like, yeah, go for it. Cause you know, just from his background and with mm-hmm. him making music, but uh, at first, my stepmom and even my grandmother, they were like, ah, are you sure? You know, you know, it's it's risky and there's no guarantee that, you know, you're going to do make a profit out of it. And, I, you know, it, it took a while to, like, convince them. But, <clears throat> excuse me, after having, like, events that I threw myself and having them come out and them seeing, like, so many people support me and everything that I do, 
it's crazy because like after the show, like talking to my grandmother and my stepmom, they were like, you, you got it. <laughs> you got it. Like it's only a matter of time where someone that can invest more into you, you know, as far as finances, you know, they come notice and, and help you out and bring, get you to the next level. So yeah, at this point, you know, especially after 10 years of doing this, they, they definitely believe now. So like, it's really cool to have them at events that I throw and, you know, them like nodding their heads to the music I uh, perform. It's, it's really great. I I definitely appreciate them because there's a lot of people I know that, you know, their parents don't necessarily support the music, but I, I was blessed enough to, you know, have that support from both parents and my grandmother. And I appreciate it. So why don't you talk to me about what it's like being a a Black woman in a male-dominated industry? Like, what obstacles or challenges have you faced, and how did you overcome them? It's it's definitely a challenge. Even to this day, it's a challenge because, you know, like, any artist is going to have to, like, you know, show their worth or show that, you know, they're talented and they're skilled in this. And for women it's 10 times more difficult because, you know, being a woman, you're expect automatically, like when you tell other people like, Hey, you know, I rap, of course, you know, other people on the outside looking in are going to assume like, Oh, well, are are you even good at it? You know? So that that's definitely a challenge because in a sense, I have to, I have to work 10 times harder than the average male artist, you know, to actually have people like listen, and also demand my respect as well. And I've definitely come across the issue with, you know, certain people trying to take advantage of the fact that I'm a woman and say like, hey, you know, I can help you with this and help you with that. And at the same time, have ulterior motives against me. Um, so that that's definitely been an issue, unfortunately. But as far as overcoming them, just seeing the signs. And I also like, not just having like being book smart, but being street smart as well, because like it's it's all a game like the rap game. It's it's as similar as just life, because you'll have people try to, you know, scam you and, and all kinds of stuff. So it's definitely been a bunch of trials and tribulations that I've had to go through, you know, and, you know, on top of that, being a woman in this industry it's it's been a challenge but you know i wouldn't have it any other way because each challenge is just a lesson and just going through those lessons i know not to like i know what the signs are and to not you know bump my head repeatedly with the same issues coming to me like i know how to evade those issues and things that come my way now so you know i was talking to a a uh, another music performer her name is elise king and she's crazy talented her voice is absolutely gorgeous when she sings um she was talking about how she has to manage everything herself she she manages the tours she manages her her music group uh, her singers her instrumental performers but she says that she wants to get to a point where she just wants to be an artist and hire a manager However, because of the fact that she's a woman, a lot of different venues that she's performed at haven't taken her seriously and she's run into some complications. 
So would you say that for you, since you're under SoundCloud and your manager is Mark Cooper, would you say that because you have a male manager that you're able to get the get the gigs that you get? Do you think that you Absolutely. would have a harder time if you had a female Absolutely. manager? It helps. Um, it definitely helps having a male manager. But I, I feel like it, I would have issues either way. Um, like if I had a woman as a manager. Um, the only difference is, like, if I were to have a woman as a manager, I would make sure, like, you know, she's on her stuff. You know, like, I appreciate Mark for everything that he does because Mark, he's nice. He's he's a great manager, but at the same time, he like when it, especially when it comes to like my career, he will cut into someone. Like, okay, mm-hmm. you know, we like we have to get down to business, and you know, here's. Here's what we can negotiate, and here's her non-negotiables. He's very protective. You know, absolutely, absolutely, and you know it—it's <laughs> funny because like being in soundproof and being the only girl a part of soundproof. You know, I'm this you know average five foot six woman, and then I have these huge guys <laughs> around me. So <laughs> wherever <laughs> we go, it's like. You can't get any like BS past them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like right. all of them are at least six foot, six foot one, <laughs> and they're like there's there's some solid guys. Mm-hmm. So even if I were to have an issue with anyone, like out out in the world, they'll be right there at you know just at at a snap. <laughs> so yeah, and they're super protective of me. Mm-hmm. What's the relationship like with the other rappers since you're the only female rapper in SoundCloud? They treat me like the little sister. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, and on top of that, I'm the youngest as well. So Oh, well then, yeah. They, so then it has its benefits. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like the youngest sibling being spoiled. So, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like, and it's cool though. Like, I, I don't take any offense to it or anything like that because I know like with the three of them, well, four of them, including um, our um, our media page manager, shout out to Kilo. He um, does a lot of promo for the group and everything too. So yeah, it's four guys and then myself. Mm-hmm. You know, if they see any like very, nine times out of ten, if they see any negative negativity like coming towards my way, they're they're gonna peep it. Mm-hmm. It'll come to the point where I wouldn't even know like something was about to happen until after the fact and we're gone and they tell me like hey you know there was an issue blah 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 but you know we we avoided it we prevented it so just wanted to let you know what was going on I was like oh I didn't even know so (laughs) and they do a real good job with that well that's good because and I think that it it's it's really really important for any artist to have that collective of people that that look out for them I know I myself being in theater, I don't t- necessarily have a collective like say what you have, like a whole bunch of like older so so-called brothers that that help you in your business, but I do have a lot of I have my mentor and then I have other actors who who I consider mentors even though they haven't really directly taught me anything, but learning from from watching them and knowing their process, I, I feel like that it's like a like a a, co- a collaborative work where me watching them and studying their work and working on my process helps me to become a better actress. 
And I think that's, that's really, really important for an, uh, an artist, period, to have like what you have or like what, what I have. So I, I, that, that's, a, that's a really good feeling. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause like, I, I didn't always have soundproof. Like <clears throat> I've been in different groups, you know, since, you know, the beginning of my career and, and I'm still cool with those guys, of course. But as far as having a, a solid team and, you know, we're all in sync with each other, we all promote and help network with different people to get our music to one person to the next we're we're very solid and it's been the first this is the first time i actually had a really solid team to get things done Mm -hmm. so it's definitely a good feeling to have that so why don't you explain a time where you had to work with a difficult person whomever it was but and and explain to me how you overcame that issue with that person it's very rare because i've been lucky enough to not necessarily work with anyone that doesn't have any issues or anything like that but there's a few instances like mainly not necessarily yeah, there's definitely been a time where, uh, and it's really not necessarily artists. Like, don't get me wrong. There's artists out here that kind of like go above and beyond to make things difficult. Like, mm-hmm. especially like, you know, doing, you know, getting a feature from them and stuff like that. But it's really a lot more so of like promoters that like put you on shows and stuff like that. So yeah, there was definitely a time where I, did a show and I had opened for a couple of bigger artists and the promoter was very, very difficult to deal with only because, you know, it just being unorganized and the communication wasn't there. And I tell artists, uh, different artists all the time, like, please be careful with some of these promoters that only care about making a quick book because mm-hmm. you know they're out here they're definitely out here they you know they'll have these shows where they'll have 30 to 40 different artists you know on the ticket in a lot of cases it's a pay to play type of situation where you pay for a slot and then you get a certain amount of time to perform and you know come showtime you're waiting to perform the whole night you know it's going on 10 30 11 o'clock and you still haven't performed and you're now at this point, you're looking for the promoter saying, hey, what am I going on? What am I going on? And they're nowhere to be found. And you basically end up losing, what, $100, $200 and not even perform at all. Luckily, I haven't been in that position, position but, you know, I've had my issues with promoters that, you know, got to try to get over on you because they see that you're, so to speak, the quote unquote starving artist and you like, they feel as if, you know, artists out here are desperate to try to get their name out here and stuff like that. And they'll they'll pay $200 to do that. So, yeah, a lot of people will take advantage of that, unfortunately. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I've come across that. But luckily, you know, with having my team and especially Mark, I, you know, we were able to take care of that situation. Um, he, like, immediately pulled the promoter to the side because you know I would hear things about this promoter and stuff like that in the past I actually worked with the promoter before and had issues but now that I you know I have a solid team he was able to pull him to the side let him know hey Crimson is gonna go at this time and there's no negotiations about it and the promoter was like okay like we got you and I was able to perform 
and I, I did an excellent job and I was able to, you know, network with different artists that were there as well. And we got the job done. Well, that's good. <laughs> oh, cause I, 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 re- I really feel like if you, if you didn't have Mark there, then especially with you being a woman, he was definitely going to just pull the wool over your eyes and then bail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cause yeah. Like just going off of what you said, like the issues that I go through as a woman, in this industry that's another one too like mm-hmm. had i went by myself i probably would have never been able to perform mm-hmm. but with you know with mark there of course he was able to you know nip all the issues the, all the possible issues in the blood mm-hmm. so the night went smooth and uh, my performance was a one so and i i appreciate mark for that mm-hmm. why don't you explain to me your goals as a uh, as a nerdcore rapper like what do you hope to achieve in the long run in the long run it's funny because like it's actually been on my mind for a while like you know asking myself like okay crimson like where do you want this to go like where do you, where do you see yourself in the next five to ten years and of course you know as an artist you know i i do want to be successful and you know be financially stable within this industry but I had to think to myself like okay you're getting to the point you're getting close to 30 now because I'm now I just turned 27 last month and I I realized I'm like you know you should start looking into different artists you know that would that would be interested in making music specifically nerdcore as a career and start reaching out to them like in the long run I really want to help the next generation get where they need to be. And I even had to tell myself, hey, even if they surpass me and go further and beyond, that's fine. Like that's that's what each generation is expected to do. So yeah, I, I definitely want to start, you know, reaching out to the youth and, mm-hmm. you know, trying to figure out what they would like to do, what they would be interested in. Because I I personally believe that, you know, as we get older, our job is to help groom the next generation, you know, show them the ropes and help them so they don't have to go necessarily go through a lot of the stuff that I had to go through to get, you know, to this position right now. And I'm still a growing artist. Mm-hmm. In the long run, I, I really want to help like the youth for sure. Mm-hmm. How do you think that would, what do you think that would look like as far as helping kids or the next generation of artists? Like what, what would that look like to you? To me, mm-hmm. I would say, because I'm not really sure, like back, back when I was younger, we had so many after school programs, like just through my elementary school. And then um, there was a program that was like at a church that had, you know, that had a, an agreement with uh, the school that I went to. And we would go there like every Tuesday, whether we would do arts and crafts, tutoring, you know, and get into sports there. So I would love to bring that back, especially like within the city, within Detroit Public Schools, because, you know, as I got older, a lot of those programs were taken away. Mm -hmm. So I would definitely love to look into that and even... You know, even if I got to the point where I'm financially stable, I would love to like get, you know, have myself and other different artists, you know, come together and even open a building to make that happen. Like, I think that'll be great. Mm -hmm. 
Do you see your career taking you out of the state of Michigan at some point or or would you rather just stay here in Michigan and do your do your career? You know, I'm willing to travel. I'm always willing. I love traveling. So I know eventually I will have to, you know, go venture and go into different states. I will probably still stay in Michigan more than likely as far as, you know, living here. But I'm definitely willing to travel because, you know, it's it's a it's a whole world beyond just, you know, Detroit or even Michigan, you know, or even the U.S., I, I want to see it all pre- and study and look at different cultures and perspectives from other people. So, I yeah, I know for sure I will leave Michigan, but I know, like, in the long run, it won't be for long. What kind of mistakes have you made in your career, and how are you a better artist because of it? Man, I, <laughs> I made quite a few. <laughs> but to be specific, <laughs> just doing research, like... um I know back in 2016, I had uh, ran into an issue where I was actually promised to uh, perform at a festival in uh, Texas. Well, South by Southwest. Mm. And, you know, at, and at the time I was with a different group. This was uh, before I ended up being in Soundproof. And so, you know, we we all came together, brought our money together to pay for the slot. Once we got there, we weren't able to perform you know, and, and in a sense, like, it, it it seemed like it was a waste of time. How come y'all weren't able to perform? We got scammed. <laughs> like, oh we got scammed. It was, yeah, it was bad. Uh, like, we ended up going down there. The promoter wasn't even in Texas. Uh, and we even went to the venue where we were supposed to perform. And the people at the venue told us, like, uh, this show that you guys are talking about isn't even on the schedule. Yeah, mm. just yeah, it was <laughs> it was bad. And I felt bad because, you know, I'm the one that had brought it up to my group. I was like, hey, you know, we should do this, you guys. And you know, and it ended up being a fail. So mm. yeah, that's probably one of the biggest mistakes that uh that I've made. But, you know, like like I said before, you just gotta learn. You gotta learn from them. And, you know, you got to kind of like see the signs Mm -hmm. for what they are in order to not go through those situations again. (laughs) Right. And this and when you were in this group, this was when you guys didn't have a manager, correct? Right. Right. We didn't have any management. We were basically we were pretty much doing stuff on our own Mm -hmm. back then, you know. So, yeah, it was. Yeah. This was. Yeah. This was back in 2016. Yep, 2016, so four years ago. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, What are some things that you do to keep your mental health in check and to keep yourself performance ready? I love that question. The best things that I usually do, because I uh, just got back into meditating, because I started meditating about uh, about two, three years ago, Mm. and then I had stopped, but I, um, I'm slowly but surely trying to get back into the routine of meditating for sure. I also not only, you know, just write for music, but also write how I'm feeling throughout the day, what I could do to, you know, feel better about certain situations going on in my personal life and stuff like that. I also do my best to, you know, not bring back my issues at my nine to five back home, whatever's going on at work, I keep it at work. 
Mm-hmm. So, because I know, like, just, you know, before we even started the podcast today, just I was telling you how my work schedule is being, you know, because it, it could be like not only a physical strain, but a mental strain as well. Mm-hmm. Because I know, you know, being in there most of the times, I'm like, man, I wish I could, you know, <laughs> be at the studio now working on what I really want to work on. And then I also give myself a nice amount of time each week, you know, to myself doing stuff that I like, whether it's drawing, playing the video game, you know, just completely like not even writing music because overall, even though it's something I love to do as well, it's still a job. So to give myself that mental break from, you know, writing, you know, lyrics and stuff like that, I, I try my best to do stuff that makes me happy and stuff that I would like to do on my free time. Mm-hmm. Now, the la- you you just had an had a, an album come out uh February 14th, correct? Yes. And um uh, that's your that's your EP? Yes, it's an EP. Okay. I- explain real quick what an EP is and then talk about what your um your recent EP was about. So, it's funny because like before I was even introduced to what an EP is, all my projects would really just be mixtapes. Mm-hmm. So an EP is basically uh, an extended playlist. So it would not necessarily have the same time as an LP because an LP is basically an album, which like can range between eight to you know twenty tracks for an album. So an EP would basically be a shorter version of an album. And like so far since I've done my name change, I've been putting out EPs just to give bits and pieces of like, you know, my lyrical abilities, my personal life to my fan base. For her, well, title is abbreviated uh, 4H. It's an EP that I decided to create to talk about, you know, my dating life. Also kind of put it around self-love mm-hmm. because uh the way the ep starts you know it, it starts with the first song which is titled finn and it's it, in a sense a breakup song so it talks about you know my issues and you know a past relationship and then it goes on to the next song which is chauffeur which is kind of like a flashback when things were good of course in the relationship and then the third song is called for you you know kind of like fast forwarding a little bit and talking about the things that I should have, you know, I should have done better in the relationship that I was in, and trying to make it better, and then coming to the realization, like, hey, you know, you you love this person, you appreciate this person, but at the same time, you gotta love yourself before you know you can you can love somebody else. You have to take care of you. I love that. I really love that. It, just the, this this complete overarching of. An, an ended relationship into self. I really love that. <laughs> That's so, yes. you know, and, and I said this in, in one of my other um, episodes with, with, an, with another fellow actress, um, Andrea Patterson, where she, she just, everything that she was saying just sounded absolutely poetic, but that right there, that I love hearing answers from my guests where it just, it just has that poetic quality. And that was definitely poetic. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was, that's really nice. But yeah, so what advice would you have for any aspiring nerdcore uh, nerdcore rappers? The best advice really that I can give 
is go for it. Like, whatever ideas that you have as far as, like, music or, you know, even music video concepts, go for it. Like, if you believe in it, do it. Like, because at the end of the day, no one else is expected to believe in your vision until you believe in it. Like, at, at that point, you have to, like, put whatever you believe in out and manifest it into whatever you want. And then the rest of the have the rest of the world look at it and be like wow this is really good but you have to believe that it's dope before anyone else can Mm -hmm. so just yeah just go for whatever you believe in because you know just it especially in nerdcore because just just growing up i i was always looked at as like why you watch anime you know that's (laughs) you know that's weird and stuff like that but you know at the time I didn't realize, you know, 10 years from now, and well, 10 years from then, that I would even, like, rap about the stuff that I love right now. You know, like, being 11, 12 years old, no one <laughs> could have told me, like, you're going to make a song about anime references and stuff like that, and people are going to love it. So, because everybody's into everything, you know what I'm saying? And it's, it's like, you know, just... Be you, be yourself, be as honest to yourself as possible. And, you know, the people that respect it will respect it and love you for it. That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's really nice. It's so inspirational. So now we're reaching reaching the end of our, our talk today. And uh, this this last question is called The Queen's Request. Okay. Okay. Uh, so why don't you give me one or two Black women artists in any genre, whether if it's poetry or, or dancing or singing or acting, that you think we should be keeping an eye out for in Michigan? Okay, cool. Um, one uh, artist, I'll give, you, I'll give you a woman that's a hip-hop artist and a woman that is a singer. So I have, she's she's a good friend of mine and she's amazing and she's dope. And I actually look up to her. There's an artist named Joey Red. She's incredible. Um, I actually had her perform at uh, my release party for the, the EP that came out in February. She's a dope artist. Mm-hmm. She's just like, and, and it's crazy because everything she touches, like as far as like rapping, it she kills it. She mm-hmm. absolutely murders it. Definitely look out for uh, Joey Red. And it's funny because <laughs> I actually have a song coming out with, with her uh, titled Berserk. So that's coming out this month. But yeah, be on the lookout for Joey Red. She's an incredible up and coming mm-hmm. artist. And, you know, she's she inspires me to be a better artist. Another artist from here, she sings... And it's, and it's funny because I don't know her personally and I never met her in person or anything like that. But um, her name's Charity. She's incredible. She she sings. Uh, she plays the guitar. And she she actually also just dropped her first album called Tenderheaded. It's the epitome of like black magic, like black girl magic. It's, it's so incredible. It's um, available on all streaming platforms. It's titled Tenderheaded by charity she's yeah like i think she's probably gonna be like the next best artist to come out of detroit so yeah Mm -hmm. check both of them out oh that's really cool have you ever heard of um the artist singer rain Mm, 
I have. I have. Yeah. Um, the only reason why I know about her is because of uh, Elise King when I was interviewing her. Uh, she she and uh, Singer Rain, they had a um, Instagram talent show and it was really cool. They were getting different different acts around Detroit and, you know, they would split screen and they would perform their art. And it was really, really cool. But in the background, she was playing one of Singer Rain's songs. And Singer Rain has just this beautiful, absolutely beautiful, deep alto voice. And uh, I, I think I think hearing both you and Singer Rain on a track would be really awesome. Like, yeah. really, really, really awesome. Yeah, I, uh, I actually recently heard about her because... A friend of mine, he's a producer, shout out to Ann Bell. He uh he sent me her uh Instagram live and she was like previewing a few of her uh tracks. And uh mm-hmm. yeah, she's dope. I would definitely mm-hmm. love to work with her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I would I would I would pay good money to to hear y'all perform together. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for finally getting this episode together with me. I'm I'm glad that we finally got this chance to really just to really sit down and talk and really get into, you know, allowing me to get into your head. Oh, thanks for having me again. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry about the the scheduling. It's been it's been crazy getting back into the world and the world opening kind of prematurely and you know trying to get back into the swing of things so thanks for bearing with me i greatly appreciate it yeah yeah i i I totally understand everything is going haywire and 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 i myself i'm trying to get in as many interviews as i can uh because everybody's starting to go back to work i know that i'll i'm still gonna be home for a while (laughs) for myself you know, because I, I I was a I'm I was an after school program teacher. They asked, "Hey, do you want to do the summer camp?" I said, "No," <laughs> and <laughs> and and I'm also working for a theater. So, like I said, I'm doing data entry work from home. So, at least that's one paycheck. Hey, that's cool. That's good. Like yeah. I, I like even though everything is like opening back up, I just tell like you know my family and friends like, "Hey, even though the world is open." I would still social distance because I I still have this feeling like there's a second wave of this virus that's gonna, you know, come about. So it's it's always good to be better safe than sorry. Mm -hmm. Well, again, you know, thank you so much. I I really appreciate this talk. Thank you for having me and, you know, having this platform for me and other artists to be on here and share our thoughts with you. Yeah, thanks.